Come on, can you praise him just for a second longer if he's ever been good to you? Come on, why don't we do what the song says? And why don't we wait on Jesus for another 10 seconds, another 30 seconds? Oh, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We magnify your name tonight, Jesus. Oh, come on, just take a few more seconds. Just rest in his presence. Just bask in his presence. Come on, he's here to help you. You're feeling his presence because he loves you. He's crazy about you. He loves everybody in this place. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I put all my faith in you, Lord. Jesus, I put all my hope in you, Lord. I put all my faith in you, Jesus, my trust in you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords a great hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your touch. I would, I would have you seated, but you can remain standing because we're going to try to move as quickly as we can into the word of the Lord. I know you've been standing worshiping for a while. We'll get you seated in a moment, but I want to take advantage of this moment that we feel right now in this house. I don't ever want to take for granted the presence of the Lord that we feel tonight in this house. Oh, I got about 20% of you, 50, 40, 50%. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to take for granted the presence of the Lord that we feel in this house tonight. Amen. Can everybody hear me okay? What we feel tonight is what the world craves, what the world needs, and what the world longs for. I don't know about you, but in the presence of God, we've been feeling I could just dance the night away. I could just find a corner somewhere and bow my head and just get lost in the presence of the Lord. I am so thankful. Listen, if you're new here and you don't know what all this is about, can I tell you what you've been feeling in your heart, that overwhelming feeling? That's the presence of God. That's the love of Jesus. And there's a whole lot more where that comes from. That's just the beginning. Amen. And if you make up in your mind throughout the rest of this service that you're going to open your heart and mind to Jesus, then what you've been feeling throughout this worship service, you can feel it magnified even greater. You can feel and experience even more of the presence and the love of Jesus. And I said it once, I'll say it again. The reason why we're feeling what we're feeling is because he loves every young man and young woman under the sound of my voice in this place. He's here for you. He's here to touch you, and I hope you're here for him as well. I hope you're here to touch heaven as well. One more time. Come on, I just feel his presence. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 18 through 25. It's what we'll be reading from. Luke 23, verses 18 through 25. Amen. While you're turning there, while the media team is preparing that, just want to say how grateful I am to be here with all of you. I'll do my best to make these remarks short, but the Bible says to give honor to whom it's due. And I want to give honor to your pastor, his wife, for the invitation. Give honor to this local church. Thank you, my brother. Give honor to all the wonderful servants around the church who, who make this thing work and make nights like this happen. Thank you to ARC, Carson City. You all are awesome. The, the media team, the sound, the, the, the worship team, the music team. Wasn't this incredible tonight, the way that they led us into the presence of God? Thankful to the, the, the singers, the worship team. 
So glad to have my wife with me tonight. Appreciate her so very much. She was the beautiful one over here on the right singing that last song just so everyone knows that she's taken. She's mine. Amen. And uh, love her very much. And um, I feel like there was so much I was going to say, but maybe the Lord's making me forget it so I can just hurry and move quicker. Amen. We'll read this passage of scripture. But to all the uh, visiting churches, to all those in the community of uh, Carson City, thank you so much for coming. I know I speak on behalf of your pastor in this church. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday night to be here. We appreciate you very much. To all the ministry here, I give you honor. It's good to see the Rileys, my friends, pastoring in the Reno area. Appreciate them. Got to meet them several years ago. They were kind enough at one time I was preaching at their church that they previously attended and um, kind enough to have me over their house for dinner. And, um, and I did my best to behave myself. I don't know if I did, but they were kind enough to, uh, to let me in their home and uh, feed me and be so kind to me. So appreciate the Rileys very, very much. And I just want to say one more time, I really feel to say this. I, I, if you're here and you've never experienced this before, you've never felt this before, I want to tell you this is just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. I don't know why I feel stuck on that. For someone maybe visiting in the community from Carson City, maybe someone watching online, I don't know. This is just the beginning. And if you stick around and if you put your faith in Jesus, there's no telling, amen, what's going to happen in your life. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, just like in the Bible. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus, all your sins washed away. You can be delivered of depression tonight. Come on, you're looking at a preacher who knows what it's like to be delivered from depression. You can be delivered from drugs and addiction. You can be delivered from a, a spirit or an attitude of suicide that's been on you. Come on, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. You're looking at a preacher that I'm here tonight. I know I'm already preaching, but I really feel to say this. I know you're standing. Thanks for your patience. I may have a suit and tie on tonight, and I may have a comb over today, tonight. But if you would have seen me several years ago, you wouldn't have recognized this young man. I know what it's like to be on drugs. I know what it's like to do drugs to sell drugs. I know what it's like to live a life of darkness and addiction. I know what it's like to be in and out of frat parties at 14 years old. And I, I know what it's like to, to, to be guilty of breaking the commandment, thou shalt not steal. I, I, I could go on. I know what it's like to wake up on a Friday or a Saturday morning, amen, after a party the night before, drunk on a front lawn wondering where I am. But you can see me here today, amen, about, about nine or ten years later, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, set free and change forevermore. If God can do it for this young man, if God can do it for this wreck, and he can turn me into a preacher of the gospel, into a Christian, then God can do it for anybody in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm already preaching. You'll have to forgive me for that, but the Lord told me to say it, so amen. Just take it up with him. Let's read this passage tonight. Luke chapter 3, 18 through 25. It says, and they, which is the crowd, the crowd cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Now that's just King James English for saying that this man Barabbas was a terrorist and a murderer. And this is the man that they were wanting to release. And the Bible says, Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, the crowd cried, saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said unto the crowd the third time, why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I, I will therefore punish him and just let him go. But the Bible says they were instant with loud voices. They kept screaming, requiring that Jesus would be crucified. 
And the voices of them and the chief priests, other translations say the voices of the crowd, prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required, and he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. In, in an incredible event, a murder, murderer and a terrorist, upon the people's wishes, the crowd's wishes, was released back into the street so an innocent man named Jesus Christ could be put in prison and crucified in his place. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's a spirit in the world right now the same spirit that was back then that shouted, crucify him, crucify him. The same spirit that reared its ugly head back then that chose a murderer and a terrorist over an innocent man. That same spirit is at work in the world today. And there is a spirit that wants to crucify the truth. That wants to take out what is good and, and righteous and true. Amen. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But I know a God that's greater. I know a God that cannot be killed. I know a God that cannot be defeated. And even when they nailed him to a cross, he rose again on the third day. Amen. What I want to preach to us about tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost is simply this. The title of this sermon is simply this. The crowd. The crowd. Look at your neighbor and say the crowd. Look at your other neighbor and say the crowd. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated tonight. All throughout 2020 and continuing into this year, we have seen examples of the crowd mentality taking place in America and in other countries around the world. I'm sure that you, just like I did, I'm sure that you saw, unfortunately, the horrific videos that started to surface in 2020 and continue into this year. Videos of horrific violence. Videos of many of our cities on fire. Videos of all kinds of things that we don't want to see and we shouldn't have to see taking place in our country and mainly in other Western countries around the world. And, and, and you probably already figured this out, but in most cases what you were seeing was an example of the mob mentality. Regardless of what they were fighting for and what their proposed cause was, they were, in many cases, when you saw the violence erupting on the streets and cars and businesses destroyed and people's lives hurt or taken, you were seeing an example of the mob mentality take place. You were seeing an example of the crowd mentality taking place. And for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with what that means, the crowd mentality is a real psychological and often subconscious force that has the power to transform normally peaceful groups of normal people into potentially violent mobs. And the crowd mentality was perhaps most vividly observed in World War II when millions of normal, decent German people ended up committing horrible atrocities against their fellow human beings. Not all of them, but many of them. And when interviewed later, those who were sucked into the crowd mentality would express their shock and surprise when reflecting upon their horrific actions. They often did not have an answer when they were asked how they, with no previous criminal record, and never previously committing any acts of violence could do such horrific things to the Jewish people and others. When interviewed, they might say things like, well, I mean, this is going to sound like an oversimplification, but something along the lines of, it seemed like it was right to do at the time, or I thought that I was doing a good thing, or, or maybe they would say, I didn't even know what I was doing until it was all over. 
Either way, one thing is certain. Their unconscious delusion began when their mind became more focused on what the majority was doing rather than on their own inner morals and convictions. And you saw this happen in 2020 and this year. And you can even observe the crowd mentality today, maybe on social media, when you see those who make knee-jerk, passionate posts about issues that maybe they haven't even studied or know nothing about. Amen. We live in an age of opinions that are strongly held but weakly formed. Strongly held but weakly formed. And, and so these people will publicly express whatever sentiment, whatever idea is in agreement with the norm. And it's so easy uh, uh, for us to do as humans that most of us aren't even aware that we're doing it. And humans have a tendency, especially within a large group, to imitate one another's behavior. Now, if you're in a large group, a, a good community that's doing good things, then there is something called positive peer pressure, which is a good thing. If there's people that are uh, 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 moving, uh, 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 what's the word, uh, influencing, excuse me, people to do good things, to do charity, to love people, and to worship God, then of course these are all good things. But when we talk about the crowd mentality in psychology, that's almost always referring to a negative. And, and so these people end up professing beliefs and acting out in ways that they never would have otherwise done or considered independently and that's why for ex for just one example it can sometimes feel natural and even pleasurable to pass along gossip when we hear it because if everyone's talking about it and everyone's doing it why wouldn't we it can even feel counterintuitive to stop the gossip when you hear it spoken and these are all examples of the mob mentality big examples and small examples and psycho psychologists don't have all the answers yet but it is very clear that the crowd mentality is real and it has existed all throughout human history in fact, in your Bible, you will find countless examples of the crowd. Now, I know I'm taking my time here. I'm going to preach to you in just a minute, but just stay with me. In Genesis chapter 6, there was a crowd. There was a crowd of wicked and violent people laughing at a righteous man named Noah who was working hard to serve God and protect his family. In Exodus chapter 32, there was a crowd. And this crowd of idolatrous backsliders made a statue of a golden cow and worshipped it while the man of God named Moses was up on a mountain praying. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, there was a crowd. And these crowds went against God's will. They demanded a king despite the old and wise prophet Samuel's reminder to them that they were already serving the king of kings. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there was a crowd made up of the prophets of Baal, a wicked king Ahab, a vicious uh, individual named Jezebel, and one righteous prophet named Elijah standing against them. In Daniel chapter 3, there was a crowd of thousands of people who mindlessly bowed to a golden statue of a wicked king named Nebuchadnezzar, while only three godly young men refused to bow. In Acts chapter 2, there was a crowd. Any, anybody who's you've maybe been in church for a bit, you know where I'm going. The crowd laughed and mocked at a preacher named Peter when they heard him and others speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And in Luke chapter 23, the text that we read today, the voice of the crowd prevailed against the voice of common sense and reason, and a murderer named Barabbas was put back on the streets while a perfect innocent man named Jesus was crucified in his place. I gave you all these examples because I hope you're now beginning to see the common thread here between these stories, and that common thread is the crowd is wrong. The crowd is wrong. The crowd is wrong. 
If you would have been a part of the crowd in Genesis chapter 6, you would have been one of those washed away in the flood. Use your imagination with me. If you would have just joined the majority because everyone else was doing it, that's where you would have ended up. If you would have just been a part of the crowd in Exodus 32, you might have been a half-naked drunkard dancing around a golden idol and possibly been one of those killed after Moses came down the mountain because of their wickedness. If you would have been just a part of the crowd in 1 Samuel 8, you would have been given a wicked king who could not defeat the enemy army, and you would have caused your children and their children to suffer greatly. I'm preaching to those that don't think it's a big deal to be a part of the crowd and think like the crowd. Just stay with Brother Claiborne. If you would have been a part of the crowd in 1 Kings 18, you would have been defending a wicked king, defending a a woman named Jezebel who was evil, and defending psychotic prophets who were harming themselves and screaming to hopefully get the attention of a God that didn't even exist. That's the side that you would have been on. And if you would have been a part of the crowd in Daniel chapter 3, you would have been one of those brainwashed by an evil king, bowing to him with the other thousands and forever living in bondage. If you would have been just a part of the crowd in Acts chapter 2, you and I, we would have been one of those mocking and taunting the tongue talkers. And if you or I would have just been a part of the crowd in Luke chapter 23, then we would have been one of those shouting, crucify him, crucify him. I've just come to remind somebody tonight that the crowd is wrong. In every one of those stories, the crowd was proven wrong, and the few godly, faithful people were the ones that were proven correct. I've come to preach to some young people tonight that God is not intimidated and God is not impressed by the crowd no matter how big the crowd was those who stood on God's side were always the victors no matter how intimidating the majority looked the minority that stayed on God's side were always the ones that overcame why do you think amen that the word of God is still here today despite the for thousands of years emperors and dynasties trying to destroy this word do you Do you understand that while other nations were putting all their heart and investment into great cities like Rome and Babylon, they were putting all their investment into stone and gold and and wood, magnificent edifices, while they were putting all their emphasis into that, amen, the people of God, the Jewish people, you know what they were doing? They didn't have a whole lot of fancy synagogues or fancy cities or big, beautiful this or that, but you know what they did? They recited this, they memorized this, they passed it on to their children, and guess what? The ancient city of Rome is gone. The ancient city of Babylon is gone. All those ancient emperors and dynasties are gone. But the word of God is still here. The word of God still remains alive and well tonight. Can I tell somebody, just because there's a majority does not mean that the majority is correct. Those who stand on the word, those who stand on God's side are the ones that will always win in the end. Somebody praise him if you believe that. And, and if you're visiting, if you're visiting with us tonight, you'll have to pardon my passion. Amen. You already heard a moment ago, God brought me out of a lot of things. I used to be a part of the crowd. So you can't, you, you can't be too upset with me for getting a little too, a little crazy, a little passionate, a little sweaty, a little red in the face tonight, all right? Because God's done too much for me for me to not get passionate and excited about the Lord. Amen. 
Can I tell you, now is not the time in 2021 to just go along to get along. Now is not the time to fit in with what the rest of the world is doing in your high school, in your college, wherever else. Now is the time to stand out for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is why Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Come on, you, you, know, you know what Paul was saying? Let me give you in part a modern translation, modern vernacular. In other words, Paul was saying, don't be secular in your thinking. Don't think like everyone else. Just because all the blue check marks think one way and just because influencers think one way and just because the celebrities think one way or just because some politicians are following this trend of thought. No, you don't have to think like everyone else. We need to be biblically minded. We need to put the word of God and his ways and his plans before all else. That's how we will remain a moral people. That's how we will remain a good and anointed and loving people if we stick to God's plan and God's word. Amen. Can I tell a young man or a young woman, amen, and maybe you felt the pressure. You don't even know how to ex explain it. But if you've lived on planet Earth for the past two years, you felt the pressure that I'm talking about. You felt the intensity. You felt the world changing. You felt the, the horror of the sickness of the pandemic that we've had to, to go through. You, you felt the pain of losses. And, and you felt the pressures of, of government changes, political changes, and all kinds of different stresses around the world and lockdowns and isolation. You felt the pressure. And it's like there's this pressure that's just trying to push us down and, and, and push Push us into the dirt. There's a pressure that is trying to wear out young people and wear out the church and wear out the saints. But can I tell someone, no matter what the world tries to say to you and lie to you, you are not just a part of the collective. You are not just a part of the crowd. You are not just a nobody. Come on. You are not just another abstract piece of the puzzle. You are a unique, one-of-a-kind individual, fearfully and wonderfully made by the hands of God. And you don't have to be intimidated by the spirits of this world. You don't have to be intimidated by your peers. You are a child of God. You are a son and a daughter of God. He loves you and he has great plans for you no matter what's happening in the world and no matter what the crowd is saying. The crowd might seem big and scary. You know, when you're faced up against a majority... And it seems like the whole world or a lot of people or institutions or whatever might be against you. It seems big and scary. But can I tell you, when it comes to the way God sees it and it comes to God's economy, the crowd doesn't get to vote. The crowd doesn't get to pick the winners and the losers. The world does not have the power to determine your destiny. No matter how much pressure you've gone through, no matter how difficult it's been being off of school for a year and trying to figure out your future, no matter how hard all those questions are, no matter what kind of fear you felt over the past two years, and God knows the spirit of fear has been raging its ugly head around the world. Amen. No matter what, no matter any of those things, those things in the world does not have the power to determine your destiny. Only if you give your life to God, only God will have the power to determine your destiny. Those who stand up for truth and those who stand up for righteousness in an evil world, those who defy fear for the kingdom of God, those are the winners. Those are the winners. Don't get it confused. The crowd's not going to win. I know it looks big. I know it looks dark. But we've already read the back of the book, and we know who wins. The crowd will not win. Don't be on the 
crowd's side. Get on the Lord's side. Get in his kingdom. Give your life to him. Give your heart to him. Because with him, you will win. With him and only with him will you win. Somebody praise him if you believe that. Can I tell you, God is not looking for you to just blend in. God is not looking for you to just be like everyone else. Look like everyone else. Act like everyone else. Can I tell you, that gets exhausting. That gets exhausting. Not being able to be comfortable in your own skin. Not being able to be comfortable who God made you to be with all your quirks and your, your weirdness and your idiosyncrasies. Yeah, I've got it too. Yeah, I make funny faces in front of the mirror at night too. Yeah, they're, 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 there's funny, unique quirks about all of us. And you know what? Unless it's sinful, God's not looking for us to change it. Because God's not wanting us to just be cookie-cutter Christians and just blend in with everyone else. He loves the unique you. He made you that way. He gave you those creative abilities. He gave you those skills. He gave you those differences. Come on. You don't, you don't have to be fashionable. You don't have to be the most handsome. You don't have to be the most beautiful. You don't have to have the nicest hair. You don't Come on, somebody. You don't have to have the best voice. Come on. God is calling you to be you. He's given you unique abilities and unique talents and unique gifts. God is calling you out of the crowd to do great things for him. Every one of you, God is calling you out of the crowd. He's calling you to be the young man or the young woman that he's created you to be. I'm sick of taking, of seeing people take hints and take advice from people that have no business giving advice and we should have no business taking it. As I said earlier, just because somebody on social media is called an influencer doesn't mean they should be influencing you. Doesn't mean they should be influencing me. Come on, they, they may have a blue check mark, but all that means is they're verified by the world. That doesn't mean that God verifies all of what they're saying. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure my mind and my heart is shaped by the word of God and, and, and by the will of God. Amen. And I know it gets intense. I know it gets hard sometimes. And I know there's that pressure that we mentioned earlier. But listen, if you, if you need to go through your list of people you follow, if they've, if they've been making you depressed, because every time you see a photo or video, all you feel is like, I'll never measure up to that. I'll never look like that. I'll never be able to afford clothes like that. I'll never be able to afford a car like that. And so it just depresses you all the time, despite your be best efforts to be just like them. You know what? I think it's high time we could all agree to scroll through that list and start unfollowing some people. Start unfollowing some people that aren't good for us, that are just making you depressed, that are just making you insecure, that are just making you not feel good about yourself. Come on, somebody. Come on, you need, you need to follow people that are going to be posting scriptures. You need to be following people that are posting, posting preaching clips. You, you need to be following godly people and godly examples and godly heroes. Amen. Because you're not just some hamster in a wheel. You're not just some box on an assembly line. You are different. Amen. And the world doesn't know what to do with different. The world doesn't know what to do with out-of-box people. But listen, the world's going to have to get used to it because we serve an out-of-box God. And if, you, if you're going to give all yourself to an out-of-box God, you cannot put God in the box. God is not happy when we try to put him in a box. And we try to say, God can only move here. God can only do this. God can't do this. God says, wait just a minute. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. You can't put me in a box. 
and we ought to think the same way as long as we're within the parameters of the word of God I say hey world hey crowd you can't put me in a box I am who God says I am I'm a son of God I'm a daughter of God I will teach that Bible study I will preach that sermon I will start that new creative ministry I will start that homeless shelter I will do whatever it is that God's calling me to you can't put me in a box And there's a great calling on the lives of the young people in this house tonight. That's why I'm preaching this. God is calling you tonight out of the crowd and deeper into his presence, deeper into relationship with him. God's calling you out of average, and he's calling you into intimacy with him. What Jesus wants is intimacy with every single person in this place. He will not be satisfied with anything less but your heart. He will keep pursuing you until you give him all of your heart. And you will, you will never be at peace. And you will never know the meaning and the purpose that you could know until you make that decision. Jesus, I give you all of my heart. Not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will any longer, but thy will be done. God, I've got plans to go to college. But before I do that, I want to make sure, is this your will for my life? God, I'm considering going to that high school, but before I do, I'm going to get on my knees and pray. Is that where you want me to go? Is that what you want me to do? We've got to put Jesus back on the throne of our life and let him rule and reign. Come on, I don't want to let the crowd decide my future. I don't want to let the crowd decide where I'm going to go. No, I'm going to follow the will of God for my life. Come on, if you want the will of God to be done in your life, somebody clap your hands and lift your voice right now. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Thank you for your attention. There are three primary ways the enemy tries to use the crowd, the spirit of the crowd, the voice of the crowd to weaken us and destroy us. And there's more than three, but these are the three primary ones I'm going to focus on tonight. And that is condemnation, compromise, and intimidation. These are things the crowd specializes in, condemnation, compromise, and intimidation. We'll talk about condemnation first. One of the biggest lies of the crowd is that you cannot fundamentally change who you are. One of the biggest lies of the crowd is you've made too many mistakes and you've messed up too many times for there to be any hope and any change for you. One of the biggest lies of the crowd is that, yeah, God forgave you last month, but this time with the mistakes you made, you've just gone too far and there's no more grace, no more mercy, and the blood of Jesus no longer applies to you. That's one of the biggest lies of the crowd that, that, that wants to convince you that because of what you're feeling, because of the thoughts you've had, because of some of the temptations that you've had, that that just defines you. The lie of the crowd is that your temptations are your identity. The lie of the crowd is that some of the thoughts that go through your mind is your identity. That, is, that does not have to be your identity unless you make it your identity. We all have thoughts passed through this noggin. I, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get all kinds of strange thoughts that bubble around in this brain in between my ears, especially when I'm trying to fall asleep at night, all right? If we were all defined by every thought that went through our mind, then guess what? We would all be El Pollo Loco. We would all be just a little bit crazy. But can I tell you, we are not defined by every single thought that passes through our mind. Hallelujah. There's a difference between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. 
Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's, it's an intention. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have any plans to carry it out or act on it. Don't let the enemy convince you that just because you had a moment of temptation or a thought that you didn't want to have, that that thought defines you. You are not defined by the thoughts from the crowd. You are not defined. You are not defined by the thoughts from society, by what you see on the billboards, what you see on the magazines. You are not defined by what Hollywood says. You are defined by what God says you are. And we're going to tackle that giant, that lying devil of condemnation tonight. Nobody has to leave this place with your head held down in condemnation and shame. Do you hear me? There's an altar that we'll have in, in just a minute when I'm done preaching. You'll have an opportunity to lift your hands, open your mouth, and pray a prayer of repentance to God if there's anything you need to repent about. And God, the Bible says he hears our repentance. He will re hear it. He will receive it. Amen. You can, re you can repent and be forgiven, amen, of whatever the things you've been battling tonight, whatever the mistakes you've made. And can I tell you, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and had the record, the, the list of all your sins removed, as it says in Acts 2 and 38, for the removal, for the remission of sins, I'm here to tell someone there's a baptistry and there's water here tonight. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus and have all your your sins washed away you can you can beat that lying giant of condemnation forever knowing that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ you can be seated one of the, the biggest lies is that you can't change who you are and this is why and this is why, listen, I'm not trying to be a culture vulture here, but I do try to keep my thumb on the pulse of what's going on. And I'm not as young as some of you, but I'm still a young person. I'm close to in age to some of you. So I try to, try to just keep my finger in the air and just know some of what's going on so I can know how to preach and, and, and what, what God wants me to preach to and tackle. And uh, so I don't, I don't listen to inappropriate music. Don't worry. I don't personally listen to carnal music or anything like that, but I... I, uh, you know, I go into grocery stores like anyone else. My car radio flips on even when I don't want it to, when I turn the car on like everyone else. And, and so sometimes I'll hear some of the lyrics of some of the top 20 songs that are, that are going on in the world right now in the West, in America. And this particular song I'm about to mention, it um, it's, hasn't been on the top for a while. It's a few years old. But I heard it all the time when it was on the radio. And I'm, and I'm not going to go through all the details, but there was one line of the song and the line goes like this. He said, I can't change even if I tried, even if I wanted to. I can't change even if I tried, even if I wanted to. This was a song. Some of you already know what song I'm talking about. If you heard this on the radio too, if you went shopping and you heard it played in the, in the, in the store as well. And, and this is a song that's actually about sexuality. And the, the artist of the song is basically saying that, that uh, he thought he was one way, he turned out a different way, and he was saying, and you know what, this is just the way it is, because I can't change even if I tried, even if I wanted to. And I wanted to find that person and, and, and grab him lovingly and say, no, you can change if only you wanted to. With Jesus... With Jesus, you can change anything that you want to change. If you want to change and you want deliverance and you want redemption, Jesus can provide that for you. So I looked up, I looked up, you know, just on, on, on the internet. I haven't listened to these songs, probably showing my age, but 
I, I looked them up, and uh, some of the songs that are currently on the top 20, at least they were a week or so ago, and things changed so quick. So I could look really outdated and old fuddy-duddy right now. But I looked up some of these lyrics, and there's... I don't want to give these artists glory, okay? I just want you to know that this is what is happening right now. There's an artist by the name of Ed Sheeran. There's a song that is out called Bad Habits. And again, I do not recommend you at all listening to these songs. But there's a main line in the song that says, I was looking for a, ch I was looking for a way out, but now I cannot escape. I was looking for a way out, but now I can't escape. There's another song that's also on the radio waves right now. Again, at least it was a week ago by an artist named Justin Bieber, and I almost have to repent just for saying his name. Amen. There's an altar after I can pray there as well. But the song is called Stay, and the lyrics go like this. I want you to hear this because I want you to understand. This is not happenstance. This is not an accident. We're talking about the spirit of the age and the spirit of the crowd that's lying to our young people right now. And one of the main lines of this song says, I told you I'd change even when I knew I never could. I told you I'd change even when I knew I never could. That's a line from his song. Do you see the common thread, the spirit, the voice of the crowd that is in all these songs? All of these lines, all of these lyrics is completely completely antithetical to the gospel because by God's grace you can fundamentally change who you are by God's grace you can fundamentally change who you are oh I wish somebody would praise him if you believe that I wish somebody's faith would rise with mine right now if you believe that Why do you think the scripture that we just referenced a moment ago in Romans says that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Why do you think 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, and such were some of you. You used to be addicts. You used to be prostitutes. You used to have sexual issues and addictions. You used to be an alcoholic and a, and a drug dealer and a drug addict. This is what the Bible says, and such were some of you. But You've been washed. You've been transformed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified by the name of our Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Can I tell someone tonight, uh, when you live for Jesus, change is not only possible, change is inevitable. When you truly live for Jesus, change is not only possible, but change is inevitable. Somebody praise him if you believe in the transformative power of God. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus. I'm trying to help someone tonight. You can be seated. I'm trying to hurry. Hey, man, I've got a timer up here, so I am being mindful of your time. But there's a few things the Lord wants us to get through. We just talked about condemnation. That's one of the lies the enemy speaks to us that we can't change and that we're too messed up to change. That's such a lie. As I mentioned before, you're looking at someone that, oh, I was a wretch if not for amazing grace. I hurt a lot of people and I hurt myself. My life was miserable. As the psalmist said, there is no rest in my bones because of my sin. That's where I was. No rest. Woke up in the morning wondering why I was alive, wondering what my purpose was, thoughts of suicide. Amen. But again, that was 10 years ago and I'm here by the grace the mercy and blood of Jesus. So don't tell me that change is not possible. 
Don't tell me that any of you have gone too far for God to bring you back and redeem you. I don't, come on, I don't care if you just served a stint in prison. I don't care if you just got off of an addiction. I don't care if you were just got done looking at something you shouldn't look at. God can forgive you. God can transform you. God can turn everything around in your life if you would just give yourself to him and give him the chance. Amen. Giving up is never an option. Believing the lie of the enemy is never an option. So we rebuke and reject the lie the crowd speaks of condemnation. And here's the second thing that the crowd just tries to push on us. We mentioned is compromised. Compromise. Can I tell you, the crowd, the spirit of the age, the spirit of this world always follows what is trendy. But the Christian's job is to always follow what is truthful. Can I tell you, I am concerned by the amount of people in the church and out of the church that I have seen buy into propaganda and buy into misinformation. Can I remind someone, the Bible says that the enemy, he's the father of lies. He's the prince of propaganda. And as Christians, we are supposed to have a biblical worldview that transcends media narratives and politics. We're supposed to have a biblical worldview that is higher than Republican and higher than Democrat. We're supposed to have a biblical worldview that transcends whoever is in the White House, all right? And we have a responsibility to study things carefully and to ensure that we are choosing what is true over what is trendy, that we are choosing what is biblical over whatever the world happens to be saying. Say, come on, preacher, you're, you're being a little aggressive. Trends... Trends are harmless, right? For the most part, trends, trends are harmless. While many individual trends may be harmless, the psychology of trend following is dangerous. The biggest lie of trends is that you are being unique in following them. This is why so many people wear the same clothes, looking like carbon copies of each other, all the while convinced that they are unique for doing so with their fashion tastes. And if we take the concept of clothing and apply it to thought patterns or ideas, we can see how dangerous trends can be. Tr hear me. Trends offer the illusion of individuality to lure you into conformity. Trends offer the illusion of individuality to lure you into conformity. And trends, especially ideological ones, are hard to resist because opposing the majority requires a great deal of courage and critical thinking. But I'm here to tell some young people, some older people, everyone here tonight, that no matter how difficult or uncomfortable, I firmly believe that God is calling us to discern the difference between truth and trends and to choose the cross over what is convenient. To choose the cross over what is convenient. If you make the decision to stand, God will stand with you and God will be there beside you. If God is for us, who can be against us? And with God, nothing shall be impossible. And if we do not have the courage now, right now, to resist popular worldly opinion that contradicts the word of God, then how will we stand in the future against the increasing pressures of an anti-truth society? 
If we don't make the decision and we don't have the courage to stand now, how will we stand in the future? We must stand now, young people. And I'm happy to tell you that you're not standing alone. You've got other men and women of God around you, and you've got the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that when you stand, he will be standing with you. Come on, young people, stand in your high school, stand in your college, stand in your junior high school, stand in your family, stand in your friends, stand for the truth of God's word. Because at the end of the day, this is all that's going to matter. And Jesus and his word and his kingdom is the only thing that's going to stand and last. And the winners are going to be the ones that stood on God's side not on the crowd side. This is why the Bible says you can be seated in Ephesians 6 and 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. There's never been a time like now to put on that breastplate righteousness, a helmet of salvation. Can I tell you, you say, what's the answer? How can I stand against all this pressure? His armor is your answer. His armor is your answer. You have nothing to fear. You can trust in him and stand for what is right. The Bible says in the book of John that the darkness has not mastered the light. The darkness has not overcome the light. The darkness, no matter how bad it gets, folks, can never overcome the light of God. If you put yourself on... You put yourself on God's side. You cannot and will, be, will not be beaten. No matter what happens to you, no matter what suffering may come your way, you stand on God's side and you will win. I really got to hurry here. Pastor said take your time, so I guess I don't have to hurry. Just kidding. I will. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for your faith, sister. There are many, many things that are trending right now that concern me. But can I tell you one trend, because I don't have a lot of time left, that probably concerns me the most. And some of you will instantly know what I'm saying. Some of you might need some clarification. We'll make sense of it. But the trend that concerns me the most is the romanticizing of depression. The romanticizing of depression. Now let me explain for a minute. Depression is real, and if you've ever gone through it and experienced it, you know how real, how heavy, how awful it is. As someone that used to battle with that spirit and thoughts of suicide, I can tell you how real depression is. And I'm not making light of it, and I don't have any, any, any joy in my spirit tonight over the fact that you might be going through that. In fact, I feel a weight and a burden for you, and God can deliver you from that depression tonight. I'm not making light of depression. I know there's some people it's so bad that they have to, they have to go and, and, and get different uh, 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 therapy or prescriptions or whatever. I am not knocking or making light of any of that. What I am talking about is specifically, I think, among the younger generations especially, where there is a romanticizing of depression. And again, young people, I get it. You, some of you have grown up in a world where there's a lot of dark things going on. You've grown up in a world of things you didn't ask for. If you, if, if, if you grew up, uh, especially in 2020, 2021, you've grown up in a world of fear and a world of mistrust and, all, and sickness and all kinds of different stuff. There's a lot. There's a lot of heaviness. There's a, there's a lot we could be depressed about. I am not making light of that in any bit. And, and if you're dealing with that tonight, I'm here to tell you this preacher has a heart for you and a heart for that. But what I'm trying to identify and wrestle with is 
that I don't see, with a lot of people, I don't see all of them running from it or trying to deal with it. In many cases, I see them running to it because the spirit of the crowd has convinced our young people that depression is cool and darkness is trendy and apathy is cool and anxiety is cool. Come on, I guess you have a different Instagram and Twitter than what I have. I see this stuff happening all the time. There is a flirtation with darkness. There is an unhealthy fascination with failure. Come on, there is a flirtation with a spirit of suicide. You can see it in TV shows. You can see it in movies. You can see it in songs that are written. There is a global gloom, especially amongst the younger generations. And I've come to preach to it. The enemy has convinced young people that it's cool to be a victim. That you're not cool unless you've got a long laundry list of problems or depressions or what have you. From the movies that are being released to the songs that are being written to the outfits even that are being worn by celebrities. There is a trend towards darkness and towards apathy. And I've come to preach against it with all of my heart tonight. I've come to rebuke it and reject that lie of the crowd with all of my heart tonight. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay down. Honey, depression is not cool. Anxiety is not cool. If you've ever been there, it's not fun. And you don't need to give in to it. You don't need to just sit there and let your friends tell you that it's cool. No, you need to fight for joy. You need to fight for peace. You need to put your pain in the hands of God. Put your pain in its proper place and let God deliver you from whatever you've been dealing with. This is why one one man said he's a he's a doctor in the UK. His name is he has a pen name, but I believe his real name or his pen name is Theodore Dalrymple. You can look him up. But he made this statement. He said he said in Western society he said our aspirations have moved downward. He said there is almost a desire for social decline. He said the lower class used to, whatever that means, I'm not being disparagingly, these are his words. The lower class used to aspire to be like the upper, and now horrifyingly, it is the opposite. Those are his words. And he dealt with all kinds of sick patients and people with mental illness in London. This man knows what he's talking about. The lower class used to aspire like the upper, but now horrifyingly it is the opposite. And that's why you see such a victim class and a victim culture. Everyone's scrambling over themselves to be the next victim and to be as messed up as they can possibly be. In Mark 9 and 22, there was a, I know this might seem a little intense, but listen, what the world is throwing at you is intense. That's why I'm being intense tonight. And in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 22, the Bible says there was a young man, just like many of you sitting here, a young man possessed with a devil. And the Bible says he was throwing himself into the fire. The, the demon, the possession, he was, it was taken over him, and he, this young man was throwing himself into the fire. And can I tell you, I believe this is not to be harsh or unkind. I say this with a heavy heart. I believe this represents, sadly, many in this generation. It's like that story is an allegory, a metaphor of this generation. Our generation, in many cases, is not trying to avoid the fire. They aren't trying to walk through the fire, but they are throwing themselves into it. 
They are throwing themselves into harm's way. In many cases, they're desperate for attention. And I understand because dad's not there and mom's not there. And you've been given a situation that you didn't ask for. And so you're just desperate for someone to notice you. And you got those A's on your report card. And you thought your guardian or your parent would be happy for you. Instead, they grunted and waved you aside, turned their eyes back to the television, lit the cigarette to their lips, and they wanted nothing to do with you. And so you're desperate to get attention from something or someone. And so you throw yourself into that fire over and over over again desperate to feel something and desperate for somebody's attention this generation sadly is a generation that would rather feel pain than feel nothing at all at least that's the way that they think but can I tell you there's something better than feeling nothing and there's something better than feeling pain and that is feeling the love of Jesus Christ that is experiencing the purpose and the presence and the joy and the redemption of Jesus Christ. You can feel his presence tonight. You can feel his love tonight. You can feel his joy tonight. You don't have to leave here the same way that you came. You know what God's will for you is, young man, young lady? You can be seated. His will for you is Micah 7 and 8. You know what that says? I know I got some Bible quizzes. You're itching to quote it. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. This is God's will for you. This is his word. When I fall, what does it say? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay down. I'm going to grovel in it. I'm going to tell everyone else and, 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 and just spend years talking about my fall and get a laundry list of, of prescription uh, and, and, and get a laundry. No. No, it says when I fall, I shall arise. That's what God's will is for you. When I sit in darkness, Micah 7, 8 says, the Lord shall be a light unto me. In other words, when I trip and fall, when I'm depressed, when I have problems, when I make mistakes, I'm not going to sit in darkness. I'm not going to stay in depression. I'm not going to just sit, sit down there because all my other friends are doing it. No, I'm going to give myself to the Lord. I'm going to say, I shall arise. I shall pray. I shall read my word. I will call a friend. I will call my pastor. I will go to church. I will get an accountability partner because I am not going to sit here in darkness any longer. I need somebody to praise him. Somebody praise him. I want the musician to come. You got to make up in your mind. You got to reject the obsession with depression. I hope you hear Brother Claiborne's heart. I, I hope you know I'm not here to be unkind to anybody. I'm here to help someone. Jesus is here to help someone tonight. Don't be like the crowd. Don't stay a victim. Become a victor in Jesus. You got to fight for joy. Any elder, any elder that's in this house would tell you that you've been through some trials. You can tell these young people, you have to fight for joy. You got to pray. You got to believe for it. You can't, you can't give up that easily. No one said that it would come easy, but it's worth fighting for. Hope is worth fighting for. Joy is worth lifting your hands, letting tears come down your eyes, and praying to Jesus for. Fight the depression. Overcome it with the power of God and become a force for good. Can I tell a young man or a young lady that you've been going through hell and there's all kinds of stuff that's happened to you? Do not make pain your identity. Make it your testimony. Don't make pain your identity. Make it your testimony. Let it be something that you can declare to the world that God has delivered you from. You were never meant to live in the darkness. You were created to live in the light. You were created to live in the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
I'm not going to sit in darkness. I'm going to make up my mind tonight. I'm not going to entertain those things anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to test my spirit to see how dark I can take it. You young people know what I'm talking about. I, when I feel down, I'm not, I'm not going to find the darkest music I can possibly listen to to ruminate in the darkness and to fantasize about the depression and to let my mind go into all these deep, dark corners. You know what? As cheesy as it may sound, you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to get on the church website and find a preaching clip of pastor or whoever. And instead of sitting in my darkness, I'm going to listen to the word of God. You you know what? As cheesy as this may sound, I'm going to put on some worship music. And instead of letting myself lower and descend into darkness, I'm going to put some music on my phone or whatever. And I'm going to let the words of the word and I'm going to let the love of Jesus and I'm going to let the anointing in that song lift my spirit out of that darkness. Hallelujah. I'm not going to stay away from church when I feel so dark and when I feel so heavy and so down. No, that's exactly when I need the church. That's exactly when I need the people of God, my brothers and sisters around me. Listen, I'm trying to follow the Lord, trying to follow the Spirit right now. I know I've taken a lot of time, and I appreciate your patience. But before I go any further, because I told you there's one more thing, and if the Lord will let me, I'll get to it. But before we go any further, we need to pray over what was just spoken. We need to receive what was just spoken. There's some young people, you may not be showing it on your face because you don't want your neighbor to know what you've been going through, and I, I get that. But just because you're not showing it in your face, don't, don't let it not be shown in your heart. Lift your heart to Jesus right now. Receive that word that was just shared. Receive that word that was just spoken over you. Come on, you were not created to live in the darkness. You are created to live in the light. Don't listen to the voice of the crowd. Don't listen to the voice of the peers that say that depression is trendy. Come on, don't flirt with the darkness. Come on, give that obsession with depression. Give it to the Lord. Come on, take a minute and pray just a few more seconds. I want to be sensitive to what God wants. Come on, come on, just stay in that spirit of prayer for a minute. Stay in the spirit of prayer for a minute. Come on, young person. Come on, young man, young lady. You don't have to be intimidated any longer. Come on, whatever the crowd's been saying to you, it's a lie. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to live in intimidation. Come on. Come on. There's more to you than you think there, are, there is. Come on. You can defeat the giants of your generation. Come on. Come on. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to stay down there. There's hope. There's joy. There's peace. There's purpose for you. Come on. Take just a few more seconds and praise them. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want us to remain standing all over this house. I'm coming to a close here. Whatever God has just spoken to you in the past little bit that this preacher's preaching, hold on to it. Don't let it go. I'm really going to be done in a minute. You can continue to pray about that thing God's been speaking to you about. But I want you to listen. The voice of the crowd has been screaming at some of you trying to keep you from hearing the voice of God. 
The enemy will always try to drown out the call of God with the call of the crowd. But God is truly calling some young people that are in this place tonight. God is calling you to something better, something higher, something deeper. What if I told you that God has great plans for you? What if I told you that God wants to use you to do something great in this world and in his kingdom? You've got to reject all the other voices. You've got to reject all the lies of hell and listen to what God is calling you to. There are people all over this country and this world, including apostolics, who feel like giving up. Sadly, there may have even been some that who have thrown in the towel. The problems just seem too great. The chaos seems too much. The obstacles seem too high to leap over. But can I tell you, all of that is just the lie, the voice of the crowd. I know it's intense. I know it's hard, but, but giving up is never an option. There is no problem that's too great for our God. You've got to get a fight in your spirit that says, I will believe. I will be a Christian. I will be an apostolic till the day I die. I will go down fighting. If someone wants to take me down, I will go down fighting in the spirit. The problems are not too great. Do not give in to that spirit that says you might as well give up. Come on. Do you see what the institutions are doing? Do you see what's happening in our schools? Do you see what's happening in, the, in our government in our country around the world it's too great preacher just stop preaching just throw in the towel and maybe we can have a few years of peace before we descend into chaos no that's the voice of the crowd that's the lying voice of the enemy there is nothing too hard and too great for God where sin abounds grace does much more abound and the darker the night the brighter our light will be I'm hurrying. I'm almost done. It was a crowd that told David that Goliath could not be defeated. On that moment, hear me, young people, as I'm coming to a close, and we're going to come to pray. And if you need the Holy Ghost, you can be filled, evidenced by speaking in tongues, just like in the book of Acts. If you need a renewing, God can renew you. If you need deliverance, God can do anything. And we're fixing to have that happen in just a minute. But it was a crowd that David walked upon that day on the battlefield, just a little shepherd boy, but he had a whole lot of faith, didn't he? And that crowd even involved his own family members. By the way, and his own family members said, David, what are you doing here? You're just a boy. Go back to the field. Goliath is huge. He cannot be defeated. No one's defeated him before, and no one's going to defeat him now. The best we can do is appease him. The best we can do is try to make Goliath happy and just talk to this giant. But God declared otherwise, and that young man of God declared otherwise. And by the time that battle was over, amen, that giant was laying on the ground defeated. Can I tell someone the voice of God was greater than the voice of the crowd and the voice of the crowd had thousands of people the army saying it can't be done and the voice of God was represented just by one the minority a young man named David but it doesn't matter as long as God has one person who believes the mission and one person who has faith in his word God can accomplish a whole lot and sometimes you have to look at your peers if some of them maybe are doubting or a little bit down, and you have to say, sorry, guys, you're wrong. This giant can be defeated. And if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm sorry, friends. You might say that, 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 that we'll, we'll never win a battle against pornography and all of my friends are destined to be addicted to it. No, you might say that, but I say this giant can be defeated. And I'm going to be a part of helping others defeat that giant. 
You might say addiction and drugs is too hard to overcome. No, I say I'm going to slay that giant and I'm going to help as many people as I can get free from those addictions. These giants of our day, the giants of fear, the giants of depression, the giants of anxiety, the giants of suicide, all these things can be defeated in Jesus' name. God just needs a young woman and a young man to believe his word. And once David defeated that giant, he showed other young men that killing giants was possible. We only hear of David because he was the catalyst, right? He was the first, the forerunner. But in 2 Samuel 21, guess what? You don't hear about these guys as much. You ready? We hear about a, man, a young man named Abishai killing a giant. They, they, oh, it's not done there. Then we hear another young person named Sibachai killing a giant. And then we hear another young man named Elhanan killing a giant. And then we hear another young person named Jonathan, son of Shimei, killing a giant. Do you see? Because David was willing to step away from the crowd and to tackle the giant of his day, four more young people saw that it was possible, and they also got the courage to tackle the giants of their day. Do not be intimidated by the crowd and the voices of those that don't have faith. Step out and fight the giants of your generation. You might be outnumbered, but you are not overcome because Jesus said in John 16:33, in the world, in the crowd you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world that's what Jesus said he said I have overcome the world and Jesus also said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the crowd no against the church the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church you don't have to be intimidated any longer now is the time to step out of the crowd to step out of the trends to step out of fear and begin walking into your God-given destiny. Don't let that spirit of fear control you any longer. Don't let that spirit of intimidation control you any longer. Don't let that spirit of depression and anxiety control you any longer. It doesn't matter what they said to you. It doesn't matter what lies they spoke to you. You are better than what they said you were. You are not just a messed up wretch, young person. You are better. You're a son of God and a daughter, daughter of God. You are better than what the crowd says you are. I want us to pray all over this house. This preacher's done preaching. I want us to lift our hands and receive this word and pray over this word. Come on, we can't let the crowd condemn us any longer. We can't let the crowd compromise us any longer. And we can't let the crowd intimidate us any longer. Now is our hour. Now is our time. Come on, that's it, saints of God. That's it, young person. Come on, if you're visiting with us, I know this might seem different. This might seem a little odd or intense, but why don't you just try Jesus? Come on, if you tried everything else, try him. He's better than drugs. He's better than alcohol. He's better than anything in this world. Just lift your hands and talk to him. Lift your hands and tell him what you need. If you've got sins you need to repent of, then just tell him, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Come on. We're stepping out of the crowd tonight. We're stepping out of the lies of hell tonight. And we're stepping into the truth of God's word. Come on. These altars are open. These altars are open. If you're comfortable, if you're able. 
you're welcome to come to this front and pray. If you're in the back praying, go ahead and just make your seat an altar. Make it a sanctuary. Make your pew an altar. But if you can, come to this front if you want to. Come on and let's pray over what God has spoken to us tonight. Come on, young person. You're not just a part of the crowd. You're not like everyone else. You weren't made to be like everyone else. Come on. Jesus loves you. He's crazy about you. He's got a great purpose and a great destiny for you. Come on. You don't have to hurt yourself any longer. You're not destined to be forever addicted to those things any longer. Come on. You're not just the young man with the issues. You're a son of God. You're not just the young lady with all the issues. No, no. God sees so much potential in you. You're a daughter of God, and he's got great plans for you. Come on, friends. Come on, church. Let's push. Come on. God is delivering some people tonight. Come on. Step into his deliverance. Step into the truth tonight. I reject the darkness. I won't sit in it any longer. Come on, I accept the call of God for my life. I won't, I won't listen to all the other voices any longer. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to go, whatever you want me to give, so be it. Come on, is that your prayer? Empty me, Jesus. Empty me of everything that's not like you. I just want to be like you, Jesus. Empty me of everything that's not like you. Jesus, do it only you can do, Jesus. Empty me of everything that's not like you. I want to be full of your spirit. I want to be full of your will. Empty me, Jesus. Sweet. 
us. Whatever.